the enemy likes to attack you then? And so it was a dumb question. It was more a rhetorical question than anything. But boy, I got hit this week. And I got hit hard on three different fronts. And that's why I know, and I've already seen the work that God did at the Cutler campus, that I know that this word is meant for you. And it's a word that's going to um, give us direction, give us insight, and how to move forward in the truth of the Lord when it comes to offenses. There is more to life than hurting. There is more to life than hurting. I used to, I had this song that I used to uh, sing a lot or have, like, it kind of became my anthem back in the day. It was by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It was uh, called, um, I can't remember what it's called, but I can tell you how it goes. Uh, it was like, there, there must be more, oh, more to this life, I think it was called. And it was something like, Because uh, um, there's more to this life than living and dying. More than just trying to make it through the day. And I thought, that's true. There must be more to where, where I am right now in Christ than I've experienced and have yet to experience. I thought, no matter how far I got with God, there has to be more. Because there is. Because God reveals himself over and over to us again uh, in a new way. The problem is, I don't know if it's a problem, but the hard part is that usually it comes through struggle it comes through discipline. It comes through pruning. So it's not easy, but it is good for us. So today I'd like to open this up for us to discuss this thing of offense, uh, how bad it is, how to identify it, and how to get out of it. Uh, because we tend to get stuck in it. And uh, let me just pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for your people. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for... The communion of the Holy Spirit, I thank you, Father, for the grace that Jesus provides for us, Lord, and I thank you that you're watching over us. I ask that your angels would encamp about us to protect us, and I ask that you would begin to minister to the hearts of the people that are here, Lord. You've already prepared them. You've already, you, you've already done what you need to do, Lord. I'm just here to deliver the word. So I pray you would anoint the word and bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, I'd like to give a, a few stories of uh, offenses in my own life, because that's the right thing to do, right? I got to share like what? What? I'm not. I'm not free from it. I experience it. Um, first of all, Luke 17 and one says that it is impossible that no offense should come. So you should know that all of us are going to get hit with it eventually. You may. You may. It may have happened when you're walking in the door. Maybe I shook your hand wrong. Maybe too hard. Maybe too soft. And you got offended. Who knows? But this thing happens to every one of us. So I have a story about when I was living up north. I was coming out of a 7-Eleven, and I was going to swoop onto uh, the street to get onto where I was going to go. And as I did that, this other car was coming over, and he was going to take an illegal turn to cut across right where I was trying to come in. So as I turn, I'm there, and I'm stopped now because there's a car in front of me. And this guy pulls up, like kind of tries to pin himself in there. And he's looking at, me, looking at me like I did something wrong. He has his window down. He looks at me. He's cussing at me. He's yelling at me. Ah, my kid's in the, in the car. My wife's in the car. And I did what any other Christian would do. All of a sudden, I felt myself go like this. And I looked over, and I'm like, you know, I'm ready to, what are you talking about? And then my wife's like, Jesse. I'm like, what? Ah. And I'm, I'm giving him what, you know, I'm not saying much. He's cussing at me, and I, I just feel myself just getting huge. I mean, just like a cock, right? I'm just like doing this kind of thing, except I'm in the car. And I'm ready to get out of the car and go do something about it. Some of you might relate. But, of course, I didn't get out of the car. But I was so upset with this guy that he was in the wrong in every single way, and he offended me, and it messed up my day. 
That happens. Another time, I was, uh, it was my backdoor neighbor. I was not there. But I came home, and my wife, I'm not sure if she was crying at the time or not, but she probably was when it happened. But she tells me that the backdoor neighbor was yelling at her and screaming at the kids. Uh, something about, I think our dog may have jumped the fence and attacked his little poodle thing. Something like that. I don't know. But it really wasn't her bad. Anyways, so I'm like, well, that's wrong. You can't do that. So I was offended. And so I said, i got to deal with this because I've also learned that, you know, you don't just let things slide. you got to go deal with it. So I went across, and I came around, and this how I dealt with it. I walked up to the door, knocked on it, and the guy opens it up. He's an older man, older than I was at that time. And uh, I said, uh, how you doing? My name's Jesse Rodriguez. I'm your neighbor in the back over there. I said, I understood that my dog jumped over the fence and, you know, caused some commotion. I apologize for that. Um, I'll make sure that didn't happen again. You know, I want to be a good neighbor to you. And he's like, oh, yeah, well, my dog was scared and all this. I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, I also understand. I took, talked to my wife, and she said that uh, you were yelling at my kids and you were yelling at her. And I said, and my wife just came out of surgery. I said, uh, I don't think that's something you need to do anymore. That's inappropriate. It's, it's not being a good neighbor. And he's, he looks like this, and he kind of does this. Oh, yeah, my, my wife had surgery. I, I understand. And I said, I said, well, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, that didn't happen again, but I said it in a nice way, you know. I wanted to say it in a different way, but I knew the right way to say it. And so everything worked out with that. We were good. So my offense kind of left because it was like we dealt with it. Um, then there was uh, back in the, in the day with my little brother. My little brother and I always made fun of each other all the time. My brother wore glasses. So that was easy for me. Easy. And then I'm darker skinned, so he had a lot of sayings for me also. So we'd go back and forth about, you know, his eyesight, and I'd go back about my skin color, and eventually be on the ground rolling, wrestling, and seeing who won, of course, the champion. Thank you very much. So here's my little brother, so it wasn't fair because he's a year and a half younger than me. But is that me? Oh, is it back? Sorry. So um, the offense was there, though. Um, the offense was there, and um, the way we got over it was by actually fighting about it. That's not a good way to do that. So then, is it off? Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, so then, um, that was my brother and I calling each other names and getting offended, and eventually that led to fighting, and that wasn't good either. Uh, in the classroom, when I was a teacher, I always had uh, an issue with kids that they always came to me. It's not the issue with kids. It's whenever there's a problem in my class, there was always a middleman, if you know what that means. That means there was always three people. It was between two people, but there was always a third person, the middleman. And so I had kids that would come up to me one time. Kid said, she told me that he said I was ugly. Well, one kid told another kid she's ugly, but he wasn't meaning for her to go tell her that, Right. So that kid's now offended because this person spilled the beans about that, what he really thought about how she looked. He's offended. Well, then the other one's offended because she found out what he really thought about how she looked. And then this one's offended because she's saying, why are you blaming me? I'm just telling you what he said. So there's that middleman person. Offense. Now, this happens to us all the time. But there is a difference when it's a stranger Versus someone you know or a close friend, maybe a brother or sister, maybe a mom and dad, maybe an aunt or uncle, maybe a cousin. There is a difference. 
the closer the relationship, the more severe the offense. Let me say that again. The closer the relationship, the more severe the offense becomes. Psalms 55, 13 through 14 is a psalm of David, and he's talking about somebody. He says, if it were an enemy insulting me, I could bear it. If it were my enemies attacking me, I could hide. But it is you, the one so close to me, my companion, my good friend, who does this. We used to share our secrets with one another as we walked through the crowds together in God's temple. Now, researching this, uh, some people believe that he's talking about Saul, who was the king. Some people think it was Absalom, his son. And some people think that it's Ahithophel, who was his counselor. Whichever one it was, all three of them betrayed him. They were really close with him at one point, and all three of them turned their backs on him. Some of you may know that, may know what that feels like. Someone that you were really close with, and something happened. You confided in them, you trusted them, and then all of a sudden it feels like they stabbed you in the back. It feels like, you know what, uh, I gave you everything and you did this to me. It's harder when it's a close relationship. This happens not only at our schools and in our homes, it also happens in church. We're not immune from it. There's two categories of offended people I'd like to talk about just really briefly so that we do understand there are two categories. One category is those who have been treated unjustly. The other one is those who believe They've been treated unjustly. There's a difference. One is like, yep, that's unjust. And the other one, they just kind of think that, yeah, this is wrong. It's not wrong. It, well, they're not un- it's not unjust, but they see things a little different. Their conclusions are often drawn from inaccurate information. They didn't get all the facts. Or maybe their a- information is accurate, but their conclusion is distorted. They see things different. But either way, they're hurt. And their understanding is darkened. They judge by assumption, appearance, and hearsay. Uh, a story I have for myself, uh, it might be a silly story, but nonetheless, it's one that I always remember. You can judge if, it was, if, if I was uh, unjustly or if it was just me believing it was unjust. So this was a serious matter. It was my little brother again. We were probably about nine or eight, probably nine. And my mom went to the store like she always did, and she always brought us back some chuchulucos, some little candies, right? And she brought me back, she brought us back two Snickers, bars of Snickers. Now, we're not talking about 2022 bars of Snickers, because those things are like this big now. Back then, the bars of Snickers, like everything else, was big. They were like the real sizes. And so we each got one, and we go over, then we start eating it. And like my little brother, like he always did, he ate the whole thing in one shot. He ate the whole thing. But me, being smarter and older and better looking, I went over, I opened that thing halfway open, and I ate only half of it. And the rest, wrapped up, put it in the freezers, because I knew I had another time to get to it later in the day. I see some of you shaking your heads. You guys know what I'm talking about. So we go, and we're still playing, we're wrestling, we're doing all this stuff we always do. Then finally, it's toward the end of the day, and I think, oh, my Snickers. So I go over and grab my Snickers, and I take it out, and I start eating it. And my little brother comes up to me and goes, can I have some? I said, no, you ate your Snickers. And he looks at me and goes, come on, Jesse, give me, give me some. And I said, no. You ate your Snickers, all of it, in one shot. I, this is mine. This is the other half. And he runs off and goes and tells my mom. And he says, Mom, no me quiere that, Jesse. And I'm like, what? She goes, Jesse. And I'm like, Mom, this is mine from last time. It's the same one you gave me. He ate all of his, and I saved mine. And she goes, dale. 
And I was like, Mom, it's not fair. I eat half of them. This is the other half. She goes, Dale, Jesse. And I'm like, So now that bar that I had that was this big that I cut in half and ate and saved for myself, now I had to cut this half and give that half to him and I had to eat this much. You tell me, is that fair? Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So I was justly offended in that moment. I thought that's not fair. Now, of course, later on, mom was teaching me a lesson. And of course, the lesson was you always look out for your little brother and you always share with your little brother. You know what happened because of that lesson? I, I always say it's because of that lesson. I'm sure it's because of other things. But you know what, uh, what happened now in our adulthood is that um, my brother will treat me to everything. He goes, I got it. I got it, Jesse. There was a time in my life where I had this much money in the bank. I was a teacher and all, but, you know, the insurance was high and this was high and all this. And so we'd come down to visit and he'd always got you. Come on, bring your family. Let's go. I got it. Don't worry about it. All of that because of a Snickers bar that I actually shared with him. And of course, down the road, I learned how to share with my brother and I learned that it was okay. You know what? Sometimes you got to give things up. That's kind of a little side note there about a fence. I had a fence. I finally got over it today. Thanks to you guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. So moving on, leave. There are two categories of offended people. But what about those people that uh, just believe they're offended? Because of lack of information or just because they're just so upset, they can't see anymore. They're they're just blind to it. Well, we call these people hurting people. You've heard about how hurting people hurt people. That's what we're looking at here. And sometimes they don't understand why they're hurting. Sometimes they might acknowledge that they're hurting people, but they just don't know how to stop it. They don't know how to stop hurting people because they're hurting. Well, pride blinds them. They don't see the true condition of their hearts. They say they're not hurt because of pride, but really they are. How many of you guys have seen those people where, hey, you okay? Oh, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm good. And, but you know they're not. You come up to them, are you sure you're all right? Can I help you with anything? Oh, no, I just, I'm fine. Some, some of them laugh. Oh, I'm good, man. They'll tell you a joke about something to push you away, to push that off, to make you believe that they're okay. They're smiling at you, but inside they're hurting. What happens is they lie to themselves to cover up that they're hurt. And when they lie to themselves to cover up that they're hurt, they lie to you. Because if they can't be honest with themselves, they're not going to be honest to you. And that's a problem. When we become offended, we see ourselves as a victim. And we blame those who have hurt us. We justify our sinful acts of bitterness, anger, and unforgiveness. While the Bible actually speaks against that in Ephesians 4, 31 to 32, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. But they feel that they're justified because they feel that. Somebody owes me an apology. I am owed something. They did me wrong and they have to come to me and they have to either say they're sorry or they have to come down and bow to me or they have to pay something because I'm hurting really bad and this is too much. So they got to do their part. 
Well, that may be true. They may have offended you. And you probably do need an apology. I teach this in, in, at school with all the kids. I say, hey, did you apologize? I always ask them, you got to apologize, guys, because if you don't apologize, it gets worse. They may owe you an apology. That may be true. But what did you owe God? And what did God do for you? That's the question. Because we tend to have this debt thing. They, have, they owe me a debt. There's something that they owe me. We always think about money as debt. But in this case, it's this apology that I am owed. But yet we did the same thing with God and with Christ. And he came to the cross and said, I know you owe me. You owe me a lot. But I'm going to cancel that debt. And I'm going to forgive you so that you could have a real life, an abundant life, an eternal life with me. So when we blame others and defend our own position, we are blind. I told you that I got hit with it this week. Three different fronts. I got hit with it at school. I got hit with it uh, in my own home. And I got hit with it with this message. So with this message, I already knew when I, when I was preparing for it, I'm like, okay, Lord, check me for offenses. And I had two names that popped up right away. They popped. I already knew the two names. It wasn't hard to get to them. I knew the two names. I'm like, all right, help me to deal with these offenses now. One, uh, I don't really see them a lot, but I, I have to, I, I can't be thinking mean things about them. I should be praying for them. The other one, when I get, uh, when I see them, uh, I need to go out of my way to go and be loving to them and not to hold back or shy away. So that was one. The other one was it, was, it was just a hard, it was a good week at school, but there's a lot of things that were going on. I was just physically, mentally, spiritually just drained. And that's why I was like, I wonder if this has anything to do with this message I'm going to preach. And then uh, at home, my, my wife was uh, trying to convince me. She was telling me, Jesse, this is a spiritual battle. But, you know, as a Christian man, I said, no, it ain't. You know, I just shut it down because I didn't want to hear it. But that's the battle. These uh, walls that I was putting up at that very moment when Kelly was speaking wisdom to me, and I knew she was, but I said, I don't want to hear it right now. This is not the time for me to hear. I want to be right, and I don't want to hear anything else. So I needed a little bit of time, but I knew what I had to do. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 and 19, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city, and contentions are like bars of a castle. That was me in that moment. Kelly was trying to win me over to the to the light, but I was holding on to like, you know what? I've been offended. I'm hurt. I need, you know, I need this debt uh, to be paid for me. And I didn't want to hear it. But like, like I said, I knew I, I told her I could feel like I could feel uh, like myself, like put my feet on the ground and walls coming down that I was placing to just be like, uh-uh, not today, not right now. Leave me alone. That's kind of what it was. Uh, knowing very well that I, I shouldn't do that, knowing very well that I had to pray through that, knowing very well that this was just the enemy attacking and I had to figure out a way how to get out of this. We construct walls when, we hurt, when we're hurt to safeguard our own hearts and prevent any future wounds. We filter out anyone we think owes us something. So it's not just the person that offended us. It's anyone that looks like the person that offended us. We withhold access until they've paid their debts in full. 
So I, I told the story about how when I was in college, a friend of mine said, hey, you want to go to a court hearing with me? He's in criminal justice. And I said, yeah, sure, I'll go. So I go over there. And uh, when I got there, we're watching them choose the jurors. And as they chose these jurors, there was the, the guy that was the defendant. He was Mexican. And I think he had been They were going to it was something about robbery. He had robbed something. And so they were going through the juror selection, and they come to this one lady, and then they ask her, is there any reason why uh, you shouldn't be on the jury? And she goes, yes, uh, I was burglarized by a Mexican. And they're like, you may go. (laughs) So it's like, it wasn't this one, but she related everything to that. In the same way, we filter out anyone we think owes us something. So if it's somebody that looks kind of like someone that offended me in the past, we sometimes have a struggle of like, well, you know what? I remember someone like that one, and so I'm going to keep them at arm's length, you know, because I'm not sure if I trust them. I'm not going to give them all of me. I'll just give them little bits of me. We open our lives only to those we believe are on our side. The problem is many times those that are on our side are often offended as well. Have you ever heard the term of misery seeks company? So it's like, hey, I'm miserable. I need to be around other people that are miserable too because I don't want to be around someone that's happy. They're annoying me. Misery likes company. That reminded me and made me think, well, you know what? That's kind of like someone that's looking to divorce and seeking advice from other divorcees. That doesn't work. You should be looking for someone that's been married for 50 years and ask him, how did you do it? How are you doing it? Show me the way to do that. See, but when we are offended, we can't think straight. So instead of those we think are on our side helping us, they make these walls higher. They're not a help to us. They're actually a hindrance to us. Without knowing when it happens, these walls of protection become a prison for us. And as I was praying this week, I kept thinking, Lord, like what? I mean, I know what I'm going to speak on. I know about the offense. And I want to teach, like, what do we do to identify it? What do we do to get out of it? Uh, but, like, what, what is this whole thing, like, really about? And it's what I said at the beginning about um, it's time to stop hurting because as I was praying, uh, I was crying in my prayer because I could sense that there were people hurting and that God wanted to break you out of that hurt because, you know, it wasn't your fault. You didn't do it. Someone does owe you an apology, but it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about you're the one that's hurting. The other person might not even know they offended you, but you're the one that's hurting. I lost my place. I'm jumping back on it. So without knowing when it happens, the walls come down. We're not only cautious about who comes in, but we can no longer get out of those walls of offense. We're bitter and we don't even know it. Or we do know it, but we don't know how to deal with it. Our focus becomes inward, guarding our own rights and personal relationships. But look what the Bible says about that. First Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. And this is truth that we're speaking today. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love does not seek its own. But hurt people become more and more self-seeking and self-contained. 
The love of God is nowhere to be found in their lives because the love is withheld. So God may be pouring love into them, into us. But if we're not willing to give that love out, we're dead inside. A good example of that is there's two seas in Israel. Uh, there's maybe more, but there's two that I, big ones that I'm talking about. You have the Sea of Galilee, and then you have the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea is like four times the size of the Sea of Galilee. It's huge. But there's a different, another difference besides, besides sides. The Sea of Galilee has water that runs into it, and it also has water that flows out of it. Whereas the, sea, the Dead Sea, it only has water that flows in, and it can't get out anywhere. So the other difference is that the Sea of Galilee has an abundance of life. Fish everywhere, plants everywhere. The Bible, you read about it, you, talk, you hear them about being at the Sea of Galilee fishing. But the Dead Sea is just what it says. It's dead. There's nothing in it. There's no plants. There's no life. There's no fish. There's nothing. Because the water just gets stuck in there. There's nowhere for it to flow and to get out. That's what we become when we're offended. When we're offended, God's love is coming down to us. But if we're, not, if we're unwilling to share that love, we die spiritually inside. Because the whole purpose that we're here is we're supposed to share God's love. The Great Commission, go out, right? Disciple people. Love people, basically, like God loved us. But if we can't do that part, we're dead inside. And it's even more dangerous than that, as I get to it. We bec- it becomes a stronghold in our life, and we don't know how to break out of it. You need to see your true condition today, just like I saw my true condition this week. Like I had to point out, look, I am offended. That's the first thing. Point out that you are offended. Offended by who or by what. Be real with yourself and be real with God. If you're not real but with yourself, there's no way you're going to be real with God. You're going to keep saying, oh, I'm not really, you know, I'm not offended. It's not a big deal. But be real with yourself. Be real with God. I'm hurt. I'm angry. I'm miserable. They owe me and they need to pay. Maybe that's how you feel. Well, be real. Let God know that. That's how I feel. But this offense is killing you spiritually if you let it go on. This offense has not only broken your relationship with the person who offended you, but also with God. So if you haven't heard this before, um, you should maintain your relationships vertically. That's amongst ourselves. In order to maintain your relationship, sorry, horizontally, sorry. Uh, in order to maintain your relationship vertically with the, with the Heavenly Father. So if this is messed up, then this is messed up. And if this is messed up, then this is messed up. So an offended person has an issue with a brother or a sister. So this relationship here is messed up. So God is waiting on you because he's like, hold on a second. There's something I got to say to you. Here's what he says. Mark 11 and 24 through 26. He says, therefore, I say to you, whatever thing you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Do what? Forgive him. That your father in heaven may also forgive you of your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. You cannot leave that last part out. This is truth. He's saying I'm going to give you what you asked for. Remember, seek, knock, right? Ask. He's saying to do that. But he's saying, if you do all of that, but you know you have an offense against somebody else, 
If you're not willing to forgive them, I will not forgive you. That's what he's saying. And if he's not willing to forgive you, he's saying basically this. I have this miracle for you. I have this gift for you. I have something that you've asked me for that I want to give to you. But the way you're coming to me, you're not ready for it yet. But it's here as soon as you're willing to surrender that to me. So the Bible also says about, you know, if you have a gift that you're presenting at the altar, but then you realize that someone has an offense against you, leave your gift at the altar, go over and settle that matter, and then come back and present that. So God gives us instructions on what we're supposed to do. Now, I'm a rule follower. Always have been. Always been a rule follower. I was taught, I don't know how many years how to do CPR because I coached all these years as a teacher. And I just told myself, you know what, if the day comes where I have to help somebody do CPR, I'm just going to do what they told me to do. And if that person lives, then they live. And if that person dies, then they die. But it's not going to be because I didn't do it right. I'm going to do what they told me to do. Well, I had two occasions where that happened. One was at the 7-Eleven, one was at an ARCO station. And uh, the first one was, oh, um, somebody was having a seizure. And I didn't have to do the CPR thing, but I did follow all the training I had for first responders, and everything worked out. Uh, second one was at the Arco station, and it was actually a homeless person pretending so that they can be taken to the hospital, and it worked out also. But I was, we were ready to start compressing and start blowing, but didn't have to get that far. But I really believed. I've been trained. I'm just going to follow the rules. If I do that, it should come out all right. And if it doesn't, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I did the best I could. This is the Lord telling us, if you are offended, if you are holding hurt because of what someone else did to you, and you're just carrying it around with you, and you're coming to the Lord, and you're asking him for forgiveness about other stuff that has happened in your life, and you're, but you know that you still have that offense, God is telling you, take care of the offense first. Deal with that first, because in dealing with that, it's not about the other person. It's about you. He's wanting to free you from the hurt and pain that you're suffering. Because, again, the other person might not know they hurt you. The other person might not even care if you apologize or if they apologize. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you're hurting. Forgiveness is more about you than it is about the person that offended you. You're the one that's hurting and miserable. They may not even know they offended you. They may not care if you forgive them or not, but that's their choice to make. But in order to release the power of God's love in your life, you must first forgive. You know, I have an elbow that's like a tennis elbow. Ever since I've been joining CrossFit, it just got that way. And I keep trying to figure out how to fix it and stuff. So I'm asking the Lord now, Lord, can you can you heal that for me? Can you, you know, make it better? And then like this week, I was like, offense. I got to deal with I got to deal with some things, you know, because I'm asking God heal me here. But I'm saying, but I'm still holding a debt against somebody else. And he's saying, cancel the debt. Hey, receive a healing. It can't, it can't be, okay, you know what, you can hold a grudge against them, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, you know. He's hearing me, but he's letting me know, hey, you're a follower of me. I'm trying to free your life so that you can live it more abundantly. Because offense, it's like... Um, it's painful, especially when it's somebody close like a brother that did it, close like a sister. It's painful. 
you owed God your life because of your offenses towards him, all your sins and all my sins. But Jesus canceled the debt that we owed him when he died on the cross. He forgave us. Today, it's time for you to lay down your hate and bitterness and forgive. And in the act of obedience and surrender, you're canceling the debt of the offender owed you. Debt the offender owed you. Now, you might be thinking, but they get away with it then. Again, it's not about them. God's talking to you right now. It's about your hurt. It's about your pain. It's about your freedom. It's about living that abundant life. That's what Jesus did for you to bring you into relationship with God. And that's what you need to do to restore relationship with him and also your offender today. Forgiveness will set you free from the prison that offense puts you in. Going back to the scripture at the beginning, we said it is impossible that no offense should come. This is true. It's impossible. It's going to come. But John Bevere says, it's your response to offense that will determine your future. So you can walk out today and just say, I'm not ready for it, or I don't want to. You could do that, but you're going to walk out the same way you came in. Or you can make a decision today and say, you know what? I think I have a pathway now. And I've been hurting for a while. And he just said that I have to forgive. Not for the other person. I have to forgive so that I'm free. And when I forgive and I'm set free, uh, then, then God follows through on everything else that he said. He's waiting on me. He's waiting on me. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you, Father, because you've already selected those, Lord, that would be here today. I thank you, Father, because you love and care for them. And I thank you, Lord, because you're patient. I thank you, Father, for forgiving me of my sins, and I thank you for forgiving me of my own offenses, Father. I thank you for your kindness and your mercy, your grace, Father. I pray now, Father, for those that have heard your word, Lord, that they will respond to it, Lord, because you call us to action, Father. I pray, Lord, that they will respond, Lord, and they would come to the altar, and that they would surrender any and all offenses they've had, Lord, that they may be set free from the stronghold that holds them, that the walls would tumble down, Father, They'd be able to breathe again. They'd be able to see again, Father, no longer blinded. But that this word would minister to their heart, Father, and it would carry them and they would share it, Father, to set others free. Today, if you have heard the word of the Lord and he's ministered to you, and I believe there are some here, I'd like to ask and I'd like to open the altars for you, that you would come down. I want to pray for you. I want to give you this opportunity that, you know what, it's time to lay these things down. Uh, I've been in pain because I held on to a grudge that I shouldn't have held on to. It was a short grudge, a small grudge. Now, maybe I don't even remember why I'm mad anymore. But I know I'm still mad. And I want to let go of this. So I want to give you an opportunity to come on down and let the Lord minister to you down here. Let him lift that load that you're carrying because he knows already. And he cares. God is so good. Before I move, I want the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do.
move in the hearts of his people. Commune with you today. Take your hand and walk you to the altar. Whisper to you that today is your day. Guide you in his truth and righteousness. Bless you today.